very good evening to everybody. Uh, I like to start by introducing uh, the speakers that I have with me. Uh, first and foremost, the moderator, uh, Deepshika Kumar. Uh, Deepshika is an alumni of ISV Hyderabad and the Wharton School of Business. She has had over 15 plus years of experience in business consulting across Ernest & Young and J.D. Power. She's also the author of 101 Lessons to Be a Damn Good Speaker on Building Excellence in Speech. She is also the co-founder of Speak and Learn with Experts. And now it is my utmost privilege to introduce Mr. Nicholas, the Managing Director of Michael Page India. He started his career with Michael Page Belgium over 10 years ago, after which he moved to India in 2013 to head the firm's Gurgaon office. In October 2014, he took the responsibility of the firm's Mumbai office before he's obviously receiving the promotion to his current position. Today, he is the managing director of the India operations of Michael Page with three offices and close to 160 consultants under him. I welcome you both and it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much, uh, Nicholas, for being here uh, with us uh, today. So, Nicholas, all uh, uh, most welcome from the entire team here, why don't we get started uh, with your uh, views and the presentation first. Okay. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll quickly start. Uh, I only take five minutes to give you a little bit of a view on, on the recruitment industry because, uh, it, and, and how technology actually is um, um, influencing the way um, recruitment is done in, in the entire industry. Yeah? So I'll share my screen for that. Can you see my screen? Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right now, let me just yeah maximize screen. So if you if you look um, at the typical recruitment process, um, it, it'll go from which I call what I call a job intake, where you on one hand will will try to understand what the role is about as a recruiter, or that can be an in-house recruiter or an external recruiter. Yeah, there's not so much differentiation into that. It's then about moving to sourcing, screening, interviewing, and eventually uh, offering the candidate and hopefully onboarding the candidate. Now, um, if you look at the, the overall uh, way it is done, it's always a, an interaction between human and machine. Yeah? So uh, where human would be typically the most uh, used skills in, in, in the past, especially uh, before machines and mainly computers were there, and where we now uh, see a more long-term shift towards machines taking over in, in some shape or form. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit later uh, more in detail how it works. But I'll, I'll maybe give a little bit of an anecdote how it went in the 80s because it, it'll, it'll show you how things already have progressed. So if you would see how recruitment was done in the 80s, um, it was in effect a way that you would take up your phone and you would still die like this, uh, the phone. Um, call a client, try to understand from a client uh, what he, exactly he is looking for. And then from there, you would, instead of looking in a database, you will have a, a list uh, of job types. Yeah. And then in that job types, you would have names and that would be a written list. Uh, and then you will go from there to your classification method and in these drawers and start looking for CVs in the files. Yeah. So that was the way it was done in the 80s. Now, the funny thing is these CVs need to get as fast as possible to the client. And there was no email, yeah? So uh, you could mail it, but that would take one, two days and, and you, you might lose out on time. So 
what I was, there was a, a guy on a bicycle uh, or on a motorbike and he would take the CVs and um, bring them to the client and ensure that the client gets the CVs and so on and so forth. So if you see how we have evolved from there, there's a huge difference already. Yeah? Email has come in. Uh, we have now uh, job boards, uh, which came in. Um, there are different ways in interacting with clients. You can do it now over a video call, same with candidates and so on. So machine has become an enabler for us to do our roles as recruiters in a much better way. And um, until now, this enabling, uh, or is, it's, has been more as an enabling uh, function. The question is, um, when will it start replacing some of the, the tasks uh, which a recruiter is currently doing, uh, which probably will take a lot of time. Yeah? So the end objective probably is that this whole process will be done by a machine. Now, will this be in 50 years, 100 years, 150 years? I'm not an expert in this, but eventually there's a big chance all of the, this will be done by a machine because if the machine is able to do these human tasks, which everyone is predicting will ever at one point in time is happening, this will disappear. Yeah. So, but probably uh, there's a chance that we don't, don't see it in our lifetime. Uh, so there, there's um, three, three things which, which interact with each other. Um, and, and what you see in the market, you, you can look for an end-to-end -end solution in, in recruitment across these, these four or five buckets. But most of the time, the solutions which are there in technology are very feature-oriented. Yeah? So they will solve one particular problem, but they will not be something that you can actually replicate across uh, uh, your whole uh, process, uh, across different processes in an organization. So an example uh, be giving, you can have uh, that you have video um, interviewing uh, where a candidate gets a pre, a couple of questions asked up the front, and then the candidate just uh, through a, a, an application will answer these, and then the video comes into uh, the, the inbox of a client, which then in five, in 10, 15 seconds, immediately can assess whether this candidate would be a fit and whether he wants to invest more time on, on the candidate or not. Now, you do that with a senior candidate, it will never work. Yeah? So it is a specific feature that will work in a specific context uh, in most cases, and it's very difficult to have a, a wholly integrated system. Yeah? Um, you will see a difference in where technology will work better than in, in, in transactional processes versus uh, knowledge-based processes. Again, taking the simple example, if you work with, with more senior candidates in the market, um, it is much more knowledge-based, much more relationship-based, so it's much more difficult to, to, to drive technology through that. Um, and last thing is, which I mentioned already, is it actually going to replace or enable us to, to be more successful? And um, especially in the higher end of the market, more enabling uh, will, will be there. Replacing could start creeping in on the lower end of the market at a certain point in time. Uh, in terms of the seniority of the roles, yeah. yeah. So I, I quickly broke it down a little bit for yourself, what you can see across the different segments. So if you look at the job intake and the actual sourcing, so looking for candidates, you, you'll see that um, the selection often is, is still very uh, uh, human-based and, and the sourcing of senior level profiles is very human-based. Um, but if you see on the junior level, it's, it's the opposite, yeah. What, what you'll see is a, a client of us or, or sometimes some providers, they will put an add-on, they'll get a lot of CVs coming in and then they just have some filtering mechanisms in place which automatically uh, get you to, to, to the right uh, candidate. Yeah, so depending on the level, you, you'll see a differentiation in the way it, it, it approaches. But all these uh, platforms today are, are enabling us to, to, to be better. If you look at 
the, the LinkedIn today or, or databases we're using, JobPad platforms and so on. Um, screening, um, where I, I, I see a lot of uh, opportunity is, is um, to, to, to actually make this much more data-driven and much more technology-driven is, is, is definitely here. Um, again, on a, on a senior level, more difficult, junior level, easier. Uh, but uh, at least as an enabler, I think much more will come in in the next couple of years because assessing a candidate with objective measures and, and things in place is, is probably a much better way of, of having a success, successful hire towards gut feeling and, and uh, people with, with uh, just interviewing skills. Uh, yeah. So this, I think, is, is something which we definitely will see more things coming in. Uh, interviewing, yeah, so we, we, we have, uh, like I said before, pre-record video for, for which actually eliminates the individual that needs to take the phone, ask a couple of questions, then say yes or no, uh, will easily be taken over and you can actually skip a step uh, um, and lastly, I think this is the most difficult one, the employment offer, uh, because it's not only at the end that you make an offer, you actually already start to understand what the offer could be the moment you talk with the hiring manager. And then through the process, the, through your selection, through the conversations you have with candidates, you actually see whether that will fit the client's requirements. And uh, all that negotiation piece is, is actually interwoven everywhere. So very difficult today to give this to, to, to a machine because they will not read into the uh, specificities of each candidate, where they live, uh, what is their family situation, uh, what kind of uh, increase, increment would they want and so on. So there I think it will take a long time for, for, for some standardization or, or machine will coming in. Yeah, so globally, this is a bit what the, the, the recruitment industry is, is moving towards. And, and for the viewers, maybe what, what, what is important to know is the more you use this uh, specific uh, platforms, uh, the better the chances for you to to be able to uh, put yourself out there towards recruiters because it is going to move towards that. Yeah, and it's not only going to be in the recruitment industry, and we're going to talk about it later. It's it's going to be in each of the industries we, we're currently uh, or we're, which are currently there out there. Yeah. So this is a little bit from my end. I'm not sure whether you have some some further follow up questions on this, uh, Ipshika. You're on mute. Uh... Absolutely, yes, uh, Nicholas. I think from a from a technical perspective, you know, as as we said, you talked about LinkedIn and from the other monster jobs ahead, Nokreed, etc., etc. I think that, that that the entire access part, the access problem is being solved, but the need analysis part is where uh, none of this have been able to be successful. What is your take? You know, I've, I've, I've spoken to so many leaders uh, from the recruitment and the, the search, uh, the executive search side as well. Mm. What is your assessment of what still makes recruitment firms, search firms so validated? So first of all, define a recruitment, the recruitment landscape for us, uh, especially in the subcontinent uh, context. Okay. So um, look, if you look at the recruitment landscape today, today you can divide three major areas in, in the market. Yeah, you have the the uh, CXO level, which which I would call it, um, which caters typically to 80 lakh upwards type of positions. Okay. Uh, then you have have a broad range within the mid to senior level, which typically 
would be going from a 25 lakh, 30 lakh to, to that 80 lakh. And then you have uh, the level below, yeah? and which is typically more a volume game and, and a little bit more generalist in nature. So each, each of these segments would have different players catering to it. Yeah, and each of these segments have their own difficulties and their own uh, recruitment firms, which which cater to it with their own solutions. Uh, uh, you can see, obviously, recruiting for for a, a junior person is completely different from from a CXO level. So, if your question, uh, coming back to to your question, um, what does it take to to um, have a good hire? It will differ uh, a lot from from the level you are looking at. Now, within the current context. Um, I think a, a team that will come back a lot is, is technology. Yeah. And uh, that will come back at a senior level, as on the mid level, as on the junior level. Because any organization that wants to make itself relevant today will need to, in some shape or form, pivot towards a more digitized environment, whether that is just to support their employees or whether that is to, to support their clients or connect their clients, uh, whatever reason. They will need to do so. And I'm seeing already in the market, uh, the, the roles into digital transformation um, are roles which are now currently uh, popping up in very traditional companies. Yeah? Companies who were probably not thinking of it and now suddenly um, through this COVID period, suddenly start thinking, oh, we're going to miss the boat if we don't change and someone else will come and take our piece of the pie. So, uh, and if people in the company are not moving towards that, yeah, whether it's the leadership or the middle management or the lower management, they're going to be a little bit uh, redundant in my, my view. So it's, of course, a long-term game. Yeah, it's not going to change tomorrow, but it will uh, be required for everyone at any part in their career to, to think, how do I build this skill set in, in, into my uh, current uh, set of skills? So you talk, Nicholas, about now, now talking slightly more about the trends of, uh, you know, and, and, and I also, I want to, when we, when we ask the questions, I also want to keep a small piece uh, and, and talk specifically about your own leadership journey, particularly for the past seven years that you've spent in India. And yeah. uh, I, I'll ask that as a leading question. But before that, Nicholas, what, is, what are you seeing in terms of the current trend? I know you talked about that, you know, we've, we've, we have passed the lowest, which happened in May. What, are the, what is it that you're seeing right now? And somebody is saying that the Q3 is going to be even worse because people, companies had money. Now they're running out of it. And now it's going to, you know, it's going to fall uh, further. Yeah. Now, what is your prediction, the crystal ball prediction for? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I wish I had that ball. Um, I'm still looking for it. So, but, but for now, as a company, we've been, we've been pretty good at, at actually foreseeing what's going to happen, um, both globally as, as in India. I think um, I, I, can, I can say that most of our forecasts have been spot on and, and we're looking typically three to six months ahead of, of, of the game. So I was, I was predicting actually by September we would be around an activity of around 75% within the recruitment. Now recruitment is a leading indicator because if companies start recruiting, that means they're confident about the future. Um, we're currently at the 65. Now, the 65, the mix is completely different from this, the, the 100% we had uh, uh, nine or, or, or 12 months back. A lot has shifted to technology. Yeah? So that's where uh, a bulk of the roles come. And uh, that's where companies are confident that they want to invest in. Yeah? So if, if, if there is already um, a path towards digitization that was happening, that is now getting accelerated. 
if they didn't have a, a path to digitization, they start thinking of it, uh, though that will take sometimes a little bit more time to, to get implemented. So we see uh, a lot of these uh, mix going towards technology, data analytics, uh, product, and so on and so forth. Uh, the second part, which has been accelerated in, in the Indian market and also globally, is everything which is around healthcare um, and, and that in the broad sense of things. Now, there are short-term issues in hospitals and medical devices and so on, but the long-term view of, of the industry is that it's, it's going to be a, a large uptick, and especially in a country uh, like India, where there's at least a lot of, um, I, I would say, uh, underinvestment in, in the industry as a whole. And with the development of more medical devices and diagnostics and so on, I think that this will create... Uh, a good growth area for people who want to build out their career in that area. So these are the two teams we, we really see coming back. Uh, a last team which we, we, we see is continuing. There's still an investment appetite in India, especially from private equity funds. Uh, so they are constantly on the look for, for good opportunities, um, majorly because of the um, overall valuations being much more sane than they were before. So, uh, they, they use this as an opportunity to see whether they can make some deals across. So, yeah. There's a lot of money available in the world. Uh, it's just that the, the confidence is very low at this point in time. Excellent. So Nicholas, tell me one, one, one more thing. You know, it's interesting that you talked about the CEO side, you know, the CXO uh, recruitment side. So while everything now, as you said, that you know, the mix has shifted to digital analytics, big data, consumer internet and more. But, but how, what would your suggestion be to CXO level people who are now looking for a job are now outplaced because of circumstances or for whatever reasons. What would be your suggestion to these CXO level people? Yeah. What do they do? What transition do they do in terms of skilling? Because, you know, also the age profiling, you know, they'll be typically around 40 plus or 30, 35 plus uh, bracket, which becomes very difficult also, somewhat difficult to reorient themselves. What do they do? Yeah, if you're in a market today and you, you, you're at that level um, and your skill sets are not aligned where, where the growth in the market is, it's going to be pretty tough. Yeah, so um, I, I see two options. You, you speak about reskilling. It is not that easy because for me, reskilling is a combination of uh, getting an external perspective. Yeah, and that can be through course training or whatsoever. But it is also about on-the-ground uh, implementation of that perspective, yeah? And that's how you're going to build a skill. It's not just, I'm going to train and not execute. You need to do both uh, ends. And that's where then, through, through results, you get the confidence that the person at the other end of the table to say, okay, this person, I, I believe they can do this. So I think it's, it's, it's not as easy if you're without a job to really go out there and say, oh, I suddenly have acquired a new skill set. Um, I do think, though, um, there are opportunities in the market, maybe on a more flexible way, in a consulting way, um, where you can actually step into companies and, and add value in a short term because you have, as a CXO, certain experiences. And sometimes a company would already have a digital focus, but they need maybe a little bit more of the on-ground experience, the reality, the, the brick-and-mortar experience. And in, in these situations, you could actually go in, be a consultant, give a different perspective, but meanwhile also be able to understand the digital side of things. And, and that will add a flavor to your profile. Um, a lot of people are very uh, worried about taking up consulting assignments because it, it is looked upon in a, in a negative way. But this is where the world is moving. It's, it's going to be more flexible, uh, more agile, and, and 
through these uh, through these things you can actually uh, keep yourself relevant so so that's i think could be something they they could be looking at fantastic sakshi i would i would really want you to make note of this particular piece that that nicholas talked about it can help a lot of people uh in in the current circumstances nicholas yes, uh, if i were to come back now and uh, you know to the to the question that intrigues me when i look at leaders like yourselves uh tell us about your journey your india journey you know belgium to uh, to 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 gurgaon and then to mumbai how has leadership been for you in the past 7 years yeah so um oh that it is it, it's already for me india is the only thing i still remember in my career so uh um but i i can say that it has been the best experience for myself to to challenge myself on on different things of course when when you start in a new country it's it's about the the culture and so on but i don't i don't think i took too long uh to adjust i think in india is still a pretty western uh in in a lot of ways in in the the type of environment i'm operating in uh the way people think and and the ambition they have I I was very pleased to see very ambitious people when I arrived yeah so they just needed some guidance here and there um and and it was just working with their energy in the right direction so that that has been uh, quite 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 rewarding I do think uh with a lot of uh, um, exciting and and ambitious people there there's a lot of and this is was my first learning I um a lot of expectations and and I I think we're working in India with with uh, high skilled high talented a crowd but with a lot of demands in terms of their own career growth their salaries whatever they require um and managing that balancing is 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 pretty tough because i'm not used to come into such an environment because in belgium you say okay this is what i need to do this is what i earn and and i'm doing it um and here i constantly get the question but what's in it for me what's in it for me so i needed to balance this out and and try to understand how to work through and and make sure that it doesn't come a balance where i'm just uh, answering the questions of my people but but also make sure that they delivering uh, uh, before they actually uh, getting rewarded so that was one learning i think from a leadership perspective the best learning has been in the last 3 years and and i would say covid itself has been tremendous uh, in in the way i've been able to at least uh, put in practice a lot of things you read and um, before this talk uh, we were talking about i like reading um, about management and so on and i i come back to the earlier question it's not only about reading how do you t- put things in practice and covid has been an excellent example of where you can actually put things in practice uh in terms of how you change your strategy how you drive short term or or balance short term goals uh which is about preserving the company versus long term goals we still want to be the the biggest in the market and and certain uh revenue size and so on and so forth and and finding a way to get everyone because we're running around a 180 people company everyone aligned with that with all the difficulties going on with asking people to take a salary cut and so on it it it, it was amazing to see that we were able to do this and we 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 came out so positively and and i'm quite convinced once this is over, this is over a lot of people will say oh this is one of the best learning experiences in my life and it really defined how I, I'm 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 going forward now. At least it is already for me. So um I think some people are still thinking I hope it's over quickly. That's the difference. <laughs> I'm a, a little bit myself as well but yeah. So yeah. I understand. But 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 that's beautifully put uh, Nicholas. Let me ask you one leading question, you know. I I I know and and um 
and and not so much in terms of being politically correct, but in terms of I, I, you know we we understand that there are uh, while it's a beautifully young country and 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 aspirational as you said that you know a lot of aspiration ambition, but there are very very clear um, gaps in 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 you know the orientation productivity efficiency. I worked in the Southeast Asian uh, market. I used to work in Singapore and and and. When I came back, I got a. I, I really found it very difficult for the first couple of years to adjust to the way, uh, you know, some of us uh, worked here. So, so but having said that, you know, the businesses per se, the, the the overall economic system is moving very very fast, and then there is our curriculum moves only as fast. Even with the new education policy coming in, you would see probably you know two generations apart that the the differences would actually start manifesting. But uh, so there is a leadership void. That is there, particularly in the middle level. What sure. is your view of it, and how can companies who are at the receiving end of such void uh, help and you know elevate their entire productivity matrices when they hire people from within uh, the country? Yeah, so that's it's very true. Huh? Um, and what you see, uh, and sometimes the frustration of us, but. If everyone in the country, uh, when you go to any company, they're always chasing the same four or five percent in the market. Yeah, uh, and probably I'm even exaggerating, uh, um, but I'm I'm only talking mid senior level. I'm not even going to the the lower level. So, four, four, everyone wants the same profiles. Yeah, and these profiles get jacked up in terms of salary in the market, and then there's a whole void of of people who get lesser opportunities because. Maybe their education was not up to the mark for, for most companies. Uh, maybe uh, at a certain point in time, uh, their communication skills were not strong enough. For whatever reason, there's a lot of people who actually have not gotten the chance. And it is a fact that if you don't get the chance to do something, you will not acquire the skill. And you, you start just losing time. And, and that's where the, the issue is. It's giving people similar opportunities uh, to grow and uh, companies need to think beyond the, the, the standards which are there, um, which is very difficult. It is not happening today. Um, so, yeah, so somewhere I think companies or, or the, the, the industry need to come together with the education industry and see how do we get all these young people giving chances to, to, to prove themselves through the system. Uh, um, that's the, the biggest problem. As a company today, and I remember in the shared services, uh, when I spoke to clients, that was always coming back. Yeah, we have leadership, very good. Then we have a lot of people that we need to hire. So we automatically promote people, but they don't have the skill set. And then they, they, they are not able to manage the people. The people below uh, get frustrated, they leave, and, and you, get, you get that revolving door of, because of the middle management not being strong enough. So it is a chicken and egg problem at this point in time. Absolutely, Nicholas. I think that's that's a major issue. So, but so in some of my last questions, uh, Nicholas, would be in terms of you know there is another trend, and, and you talked about you know that the CXO level particularly move towards consulting and keep yourself relevant, and and I think that that would pretty much be applicable to perhaps to across levels as well. With a lot of freelancers now emanating, particularly in digital marketing, even the freshers you see very, very young graduates or not even graduates coming forward and saying that, you know, let me do those small, 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 small gig, uh, gig uh, experiences, gain that experience and then move up and then see what I, what, I, what I end up liking. So where do you see the role of recruitment firms? 
so you're, you're for example you are a leader in, in, in recruitment in, in not just country but globally so yeah. what is the role change for yourself as an organization or as a part of a large industry that you are seeing which would aid such a transformation for uh, for the employable people yeah so it's an educate uh, our role is to educate the market yeah so um the, the good thing is that there's a lot of instances across the globe where it's already happening yeah so the indian market just needs to be educated and today when i have a conversation with a client it will be le- the least preferred option because they've never tried it and um let's let's go to something that that works for me they all will say yes but then the moment you're going to talk contract and you want to talk details it becomes so complex that they shy away from it so there's an education aspect on the client side but there's an education aspect also on the the candidate side where you need to explain them what's the benefit for them because he can probably earn a little bit more he will gain a little bit more flexibility he will also maybe be able to tax wise optimize a couple of things for himself and also he will actually be able to do different things because let's face it um everyone i i've seen so many cvs people jumping every 2 3 years because they feel they're they're uh not happy in their role and they want something more and and more projects well this is the best way to do it um you you can actually do it in an organized structured way where you can actually explain to the market why you changed because you wanted to uh increase your your skill sets now so these are a couple of things which on the candidate side would 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 help them Great, Nicholas. I have a, a question coming in uh, from a gentleman called Tushar Matthew. Tushar asks, uh, "In what industries are you seeing the most layoffs, and at what levels, both from Indian and global perspective?" Yeah. So the layoffs will uh, still come. Huh? So you, you, if you look at GFC, I think the GFC uh, most of the layoffs happened around six to nine months. after everything happened so we we're now going to get in this period so companies would have gone into uh, crisis mode uh, they would have looked at uh, what they needed to do and most of the actions today are around salary furlough and so on um the the uh, especially with larger companies the actual layoffs take time because it's big structures they need to rethink the whole strategy first from that strategy they will look at what's the people uh that that fit into this who are the people who are not fitting into this so this is now going to come so you you'll see more and more of these uh news coming into the market but that means things are getting cleaned up so the the layoffs are not necessarily a bad thing that means people are moving on yeah of course if you individually am impacted it's of course a bad thing but i think from an overall com- uh, economy perspective it is bound to happen and companies need to uh reorientate and need to probably right size in certain situations so so that's where i see now where you see the the biggest or, or going to see the biggest impact is in the traditional industries yeah so that's where uh the most of the impact will be from a, a layoff perspective because they will need to rethink their business models so i think of retail as being the number one in in this instance um i don't believe uh any retail company can can stay with the size they currently have whether is it number of stores whether it's number of people the way they're doing business so they will probably be uh one of the biggest impacted um hospitality i think a little bit lesser in the long run but in the short run because of the the issues they will be having uh probably uh, aviation again shorter term uh probably in the longer term it will come back because the long term trend is of people traveling is people staying in hotels and so on 
but the long-term trend in shopping will be I'm going to do it online. So always look at the long-term trend, yeah? Because the short-term trend is there, but the long-term trend will define whether you need to actually get out and, and try to do something else in life. Absolutely. Fantastic way uh, to frame this, Nicholas. Uh, uh, another question comes, comes in. How have the sentiments of Indian professionals shifted with the current market demands and that of global pandemic? Um, so can, can you explain a little bit of that question? What do you mean with that? Uh, I think uh, that's pretty much what we got. But uh, if, uh, if you would give you... I, I think it's more more in terms of the overall market sentiment that we are talking about. You know, how do you see? And you can you can answer it from a recruitment perspective as well, from a hiring perspective. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I think I, I've spoken before the call already a little bit. Um, so, the, again, it's, it's the same principle. I'm, I'm probably repeating myself. What is the long-term trend? The long-term trend is about more online. It's about uh, more uh, health consciousness. Um, and these two trends will, will, and will continue and this will be all driven through a digital lens. Uh, so everything in the long run uh, that will support this growth will do well. Everything that goes against will definitely suffer. So um, there are some short-term hiccups. I told you about medical devices because uh, hospitals were not able to uh, actually uh, do any operations uh, while, while COVID was happening. Sorry for that. While COVID was happening. Um, but, but once this is sorted out, this is going to come back and probably much, uh, much harder because diagnostics is developing much better than it used to be. And more diagnostics means more understanding of illnesses, more referrals to, to the hospitals. And that's a whole chain uh, growing. So you have short-term impacted industries and you have long-term impacted industries. Fantastic. Perfect. Uh, Nicholas, any closing remarks? Uh, give us a ray of hope as we, as we look at the future. I, 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 like I said, I think it's, it's, it's in some weird way a very, very exciting times. And the, the thing will be is that once, once we get out of this, um, it will give us probably all the skill sets we require to, to do much better. And um, in any uh, conversation I had with peers or, or uh, with people that, that have gone through GFC and so on, we all know the bounce back is going to be really exciting. Um, we don't know when that bounce back will come, but uh, it, it, it probably take a year uh, to really see a, a differentiation. But when it comes, it, it will come with a lot of innovation and a lot of different uh, ways of doing business. And within that, for us, it's, it's recruitment opportunities because companies will need certain skill sets which they don't have today. And that's where uh, the opportunity is. If you have these, you will fare well and you will have opportunities in the market. So make yourself relevant. Excellent. Perfect. It was such a pleasure talking to you, Nicholas. And thank you. And, my and, and pleasure is mine. I must compliment the depth of uh, understanding and the depth of your responses. Thank you. We are, uh, we are honored that uh, you, know, you chose India as a, as a destination to lead uh, this my phenomenal pleasure. organization. Yeah. I'm... I'm very happy that I have chosen India. So are we. Thank you very much, Nicholas. Look forward to Thank being you. in touch and uh, an honor that you chose speaking to me. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Bye-bye, Nicholas. Yeah.